Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. This is the Who Dares Wins podcast. My name is JP Ross. And if you are like listening for the first time, uh, thank you. <laughs> Welcome. And if you're a repeat listener, um, I just want to say thank you as well. And thank you for your support. And um, so like Who Dares Wins is a podcast I started to share about my stories about places that God has brought me and places that he's taking me. And it's also an opportunity to share my friends' stories and places that God has brought them and taken them. And also like to just kind of talk about things that really matter to me and um, give my heart a voice. And I pray that your heart will be given a voice too. If you like what you're hearing, you know, Give me a five-star rating or uh, share it. Share it on your platforms. Um, yeah, I would love to hear from you. You can reach out to me at jpislavished on Instagram. And you can email me at um, whodareswinspodcast at gmail.com. Whodareswinspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you around. Hey, so, um, yeah, what's up? Uh, so yeah, so September 11th, 2001, um, many years ago, uh, I was 23, 24, something like that, 22. Um, yeah, I used to get in a lot of trouble and, uh, whew, I found myself, um, you know, in jail. And uh, I'm not going to give my perspective on what happened um, for me. I'm going to give more like what I saw and what was really interesting. Because in 2001, I had been a Christian for three years. So in that time, I had pretty much gotten rid of all my tapes that weren't Christian. Um, I gave them to all my homies. I got rid of every book that wasn't Christian. I was like only reading like A.W. Tozer, Corey Ten Boom, Billy Graham, uh, these kinds of things. Um, in 2000 was the election of George Bush, uh, George Sr.'s son, George W. Bush, right? And back then, I actually thought that, because I was into James Dobson back then and like focus on the family and... Back then, I, I had thought that God had interrupted time to put his man as president. Um, in 2004, you know, I would, I'd probably, yeah, I, I like recanted on that. And I became sort of crazy <laughs> about, um, oh, man, just like really really emotional and like trying to understand justice and understand things and like feeling lied to and that I can't trust anything. I can't trust my government. I can't trust like, it's like what I learned in punk rock is actually like a lot of the truth actually, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's about money. It's about, you know, spreading, you know, dominance and stuff. But, 
fast forward to 2016 and I'm coming out of my divorce or like beginning the stages of grief after my divorce. And I'm thinking, wow, like I really need to like rethink life again. I need to think about what it means to be a Christian. Like I haven't thought about this in a really long time. I pretty much developed a theology that supported my political stance, that supported my justice stance. So in that time from 2016 to 2020, God has really done like an amazing radical shift in me and sort of like convicted me on where I play in purpose and um, identity and um, like finding my lane, you know, like what am I supposed to do with my life and, and how that's tied to purpose. And what I realized is that I'm called to sort of be a chaplain in between the left and the right, between the anarchist and the capitalist, like between the punk rocker and the Christian leader who has no idea what it means to or why anyone would choose to go to a smelly bar to connect with kids that probably won't think about them or whatever. Um, like, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't, that doesn't make fiscal sense uh, to do that. Um, why would you choose art instead of a career that guarantees dividends and returns? Um, why would you, why would you choose to go among sinners instead of being the safety of the church? Um, you know, I find that, you know, so there's this like disconnect sometimes and I'm feel I'm called to be in the middle of that and kind of say like, no way, like God loves you and God loves them. And guess what? Like I'm a part of that. Like I was saved in that and I'm still in that because I love them. And I love you and I respect you and I respect your authority and I hold you and I give you honor. Um, please give me that honor. As one of my mentors often says, you know, um, the hardcore scene is, is like a bastard generation, like a fatherless generation, like we're orphans. Um, but the gift of God is that we are sons and daughters. But in the American hardcore scene and in the punk scene, we're, we're actually like misfits. We're throwaway kids. We're latchkey kids. We're all these things. Some of us are pastor's kids. But how many know that when you're a pastor's kid, you like kind of end up going off the rails? Because <laughs> um, you need to like find God on your own. You need to test the waters and find out why your parents sowed so much time to a place that seems so boring and with a congregation that seems like they don't even care. But then at the same time, there's these small pockets of redemption that happen and, and it makes you think like, wow, yeah, my dad and my mom, like they do good work, you know, something like that. Um, so anyway, what I wanted to get to is I, I shared all that because it's important that you know that in 2001, 
after 9-11, after the trade centers went down, after the attack, um, I was very much like they attacked America, whoever they are. And whoever they are, we're coming to get them. Like, we're going to respond. And that's how Americans get down. And that's how George Bush is going to get down because George Bush is God's man and God's man was David and David was about that business. David was about, you know, defending the honor of the Lord. David was so gully that he, <laughs> that he had blood on his hands so he didn't, he wasn't allowed to build the temple. So, you know, and he also was an adulteress and a murderer, but he also was this mighty warrior um, so in that, in that time period, I felt like my mindset was respond, just respond. So fast forward, you know, I would, I would re, I would rethink those ideas as I read George Orwell's 1984. I started thinking that we were under control. Um, I had professors that kind of highlighted that I was onto some truth, but I maybe had sabotaged my truth or sabotaged my understanding for um like a christian idea a christian worldview and so i was on this path i was on this fight to try and explain no like i'm into hardcore i'm critical of power but i love jesus and he really changed my life I mean, I really wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Jesus. I wouldn't be in college. I wouldn't have a master's degree. I wouldn't be the noble person that maybe you think I am or that I am because of God. You know, I wouldn't be able to love my neighbor as myself. I, I, I wouldn't care about the homeless. I, not, like, not like I do now, you know. I, I cared about the homeless before because I was just like you know, like F the man and like help the poor. And it was more about me than it was about helping people. And now it's more about like, I just love people. And I just, I really, really love folks that are experiencing these, these, these things, these uh, horrible things, but they're all people. And so over time, I've learned to like, love capitalists i've learned to love people in banking and finance and um business and uh people experiencing homelessness the inmates prisoners everyone right um i've just learned because like i want to be connected to people i want to see the god in them i want to see the father in them you know i want to see jesus in them because they are made in the image of god no matter who they are. And so, you know, I just said, I'm saying all that just, just to say that um, what I saw in 2001 on 9-11 has a lot to do with... So when the trade centers were hit, it was, you know, it was wild because I I was going to church and I was going to different services and so I was receiving one message from sort of a Pentecostal preacher and I was receiving um, like an apostolic message um, from another preacher and 
you know, they both were like outside volunteers. So like I respected them. They were teaching me about God. But what was really interesting is when we would look at the scriptures and the pastors would try to explain what was happening, they would pull from scripture about the the towers that were falling and things of that nature. And I remember being like, wow, like this is a God moment. Like God is like interrupting because we're not right with him and all this stuff. And I honestly didn't really know what I was talking about. I just really felt like, you know, I'm reading scripture and I'm seeing what it says. And I'm reading like Isaiah or like some, some prophet in the Old Testament. And he's talking about it too. Maybe it was Zephaniah or Zechariah. And, um, and I'm just like, whoa, like just super impressionable. And, um, but, but like what really like hurt my feelings was like, was that like every single day, every single day there was like a different person multiple people being called to the chaplain's office or the imam or the rabbi and they're being told your family members are dead your friends are dead and then seeing these inmates come back and ask me in that moment you know JP what do you think of this what does the Bible say about this what what should I do what does God say about this and I remember really praying for answers in that moment because I didn't have an answer. And there was this one um, older gentleman who was a Vietnam vet. He was actually a ranger. And um, a bunch of tough things happened. And he ended up, you know, uh, started drinking, became an alcoholic, got involved in some bad things. Um, and uh, he was really changing his life around. He was starting to attend church. And his family was coming to visit him and his wife and his kids and his family. And I remember the week before 9-11, they all came to visit him because he was going to be getting out. And they were getting him connected with the VA. And he was really going to have an opportunity to give back after he felt he took in so much um, with what, he, what, what like had happened. And... Yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget, like, stairs, and after, like, I worked out that morning, and, and he was like, he's like, JP, um, Johnny, um, can I talk to you? And I said, sure, sure, what's up, man? And I'm not saying his name just to protect him, um, just in case you might know him or something like that. Um, and he just said, you know, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. Like, what, what, what's going on? And he said, uh, he said, I just came from the chaplain's office and, um, my wife and my kids and my mother-in-law 
they're all dead. They all died. And I'm like, what? How? What happened? He said, they were all in the Trade Center. After they came to visit me, they, took a, they, they drove to New York City, and they wanted to see the Trade Center and everything. And, um, and they went to visit on the day of, of 9-11. And they didn't walk out. And I remember in that moment just giving him a hug because he was doing so well. He was, he was sober, you know, because in jail, you know, he can get anything you want. And so he was sober. He was smoking cigarettes, chain-smoking cigarettes, but a lot of people in recovery um, tend to have some kind of vice. You know what I mean? It's just about giving grace. You know, I used to smoke too, and... Um, I really wasn't set free until I um, found joy, honestly. And uh, so I haven't smoked since, uh, aside from this like one time um, since like 2017. So, um, or 2016, so I think 2017. And, uh, and so I was like, yo man, Man, I'm so sorry. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And he just said, um, he's like, you know, would you um, spend some time with me? And I said, sure, man, sure. So um, when we got a chance to go for rec again, I, uh, I, um, you know, I went outside with him and to play horseshoes, as that's a game that people play and it's really fun and it's like if you don't know what horseshoes is it's basically like the shoe of the horse and then you have these like metal spikes um in the ground like 10 feet apart or a certain amount of feet apart and you just kind of try to ring them like try to get the horseshoe around that spike and it's points or if you get near it it's a certain amount of points or something so um so we're playing horseshoes and chain smoking cigarettes and I just told him, man, I don't know, I don't know what God thinks. All I know is that God loves you and he loves your family and this is awful and I don't have an answer, but I'm here for you. And I know that your wife would want you to continue on with your recovery journey because you have a lot left. You have so much to go for. But you need but you're now you're gonna have to extend your community and really dig into the VA and dig into the Veterans Association and like get support and that help around you because now you have a new level of trauma. But that's another day. Let's just play horseshoes, chain smoke cigarettes. And we'll pray together whenever you, you know, whenever you feel like you're going to cry or something. Like, just let me know and we'll pray together. And, um, I, I'm just really sorry, man. I just, I, I don't, I don't have an answer. And it sucks. And, um, but, like, God loves you. He really loves you. And I have no answer. I'm so sorry.
I wish I had an answer. I don't understand. And then meanwhile, at the same time, there were other inmates that were saying, you know, Babylon has fallen, Babylon the Great, you know. And although, like, I could find that in Scripture and I could argue the le legitimacy of that pronouncement, it really was like, come on, dude. Come on, dude. At the same time, though, I there was much respect because it was like inmates knew the signs of the times, right? And so a lot of folks were feeling like um, the dominance, the hegemony that America had reigned over a lot of other countries had finally come home. Or as Malcolm X would say, the chickens have come home to roost, you know? And um, But that's not actually the right. Um, that's not the right usage because when Malcolm was talking about that he was talking about like their own folks like yeah you know what I won't even go there anyway but it was like people that were affected by American dominance or American hegemony colonialism these kinds of things and they were now responding I don't know if that's the truth or not you know I, I really don't know I just know that like man It was just really wild because you have to you have to imagine you're being told your family's gone and then all these other inmates are being told their family's gone or their loved one's gone or their girlfriend died or their partner died and then they still have to do their prison sentence they still have to maintain good behavior so they can get out. But some didn't. Some responded in agony and pain and with this renewed trauma and grief got in fights and added more years to their prison sentence. I saw, saw really good dudes who would talk about their kids all the time and how they can't wait to see their kids get caught in a fight like the next day not going home for another 10 years you know it's it's wild like you know I, I just I wanted to bring up this because it's like we hear a lot about September 11th and what it was like and where we were on that day Man, you know, like in a really immature way, I remember watching and thinking like a few days before that happened that I was like, wow, like I haven't been a part of anything significant in, in my time span. Has my life mattered? I haven't been a part of anything significant. <laughs> Just such an ignorant statement. And then one morning I'm getting ready to go work out. And at 9-11, I think it was like 9-11 in the morning or 9-10 in the morning, something like, it was like 9 in the morning, the first hit, the first um, tower was hit, and a couple minutes later, the second tower was hit. And we just watched in disbelief. And our first reaction was like, we got to respond, because... 
you would hit us, you hit all of us. So in that moment, it was like we weren't inmates and it wasn't citizens. It was like one united America. So when Bush said that he was going to go after the terrorists to defend our freedom or um, freedom haters, you know, we were on board. But the more I studied my Bible, the more I just didn't see that in Jesus. So I was wrestling and it was hard. And I remember for days, instead of watching programming, it was watching the news. So as you were watching the news in your home or at college, you know, inmates all over the country were watching the news on TVs, on their TVs. And feeling completely powerless. And a lot of them were maintaining behavior, maintaining like good behavior. Like we could have just killed each other. Because society had written us off and said we're done. We're finished with you. But we banded together and we hugged each other and we worked through it. We shared different uh, differences of opinions, differences of of politics my black and brown friends had perspectives that were very interesting as they often felt like a victim of society white folks felt like it was an act of terrorism and so like their sort of internal racism my internal racism like needed to be checked but we would talk it out and we would go to church and Muslims and Christians would talk to each other. I just never, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. It's like a lot of people would say, oh, now is coming the New World Order. The New World Order, initiated in like 1991, I think, by George Sr. <laughs> Man, guys, come on. What I, what I really want to say is that regardless of what you felt or you feel or your political persuasion or your paradigm of thinking, or your worldview. In everything, lean toward compassion. Lean toward empathy and understanding. Like, seek understanding. Because in those moments, when that happened, our first response was to go to war. Then there would be all this controversy of, like, the Wolf-O-Ritz Doctrine, Fahrenheit 9-11, you know, Michael Moore's ascendancy from, like, Bowling for Columbine to, like, Fahrenheit 9-11. Everyone wanting to get rid of Bush, you know, rock against Bush with, like, Fat Records and Fat Mike and all these bands. And I remember I was, I came home and then I was going to college and I got, I got caught up in that, and it produced one of Green Day's best albums of all time, American Idiot. 
just like blew us out of the water like oh my god i can't believe green day could like make this record right like they've been holding back <laughs> but little did i know they had a they had a few other bands <laughs> with the same members with different names and they were doing cool stuff it just was a crazy time I remember moving here. I moved here in 2002, here to New York City, living in Queens, and going to Ground Zero, where the Freedom Tower is now, and the memorial, the 9-11 memorial, next to where I got my undergrad degree, my associate's degree at Manhattan Community College, and where my church is now, on, um, on Maiden Lane, near the wall, uh, wall Street. It was it was really sad. It was really inspiring too to see how people were coming together, coming to bring flowers, putting up pictures, have you seen this person? In loving memory of. It was it was it was it was kinda wild. It was kinda wild because as a Christian, you know, I was really it was really, really, um, kind of like a theological crisis for me, or like a faith crisis, like, God, what is going on? And at that time, I was living in a shelter, I was on Ward's Island, and then I started going to college at BMCC, but I was still living in the shelter, and I was trying to learn how to, you know, get used to being free and acting like I'd never gone away <laughs> trying to be accepted and judged and um seen for like the quality of my character instead of the mistakes that I've made And I thought about all my other classmates, and I would run into other classmates, and they'd be like, yo, did you ever go to jail? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, me too. And we would just, like, band together, you know? And, like, this whole, like, thinking of 9-11 has me thinking about post-traumatic stress and these kinds of things. And I'm reading, I started reading this book. Um, I feel like God just kind of dropped it into my lap. So my friend... We watched a podcast together, and this book was mentioned by this dude. I forgot his name. It was like some cool dude. And and then um, my friend Curlin, um, who's a, a priest in, like, Oregon, I think. Um, super cool. She's so amazing. Um, really encouraged me. She was... Uh, one of the people that founded Bushwick Abbey in Bushwick, Brooklyn as an Episcopalian space for LGBT and Q um, and allies. Uh, just like a safe space for queer folks um, to receive um, about God and like feel safe um, at a time when Bushwick was really going through a lot of changes. And so... You know, it was like, kind of like queer folks were being scapegoated 
for like gentrification and rent increases and stuff like that and people being moved out and so you know it really offered like a sanctuary for people as like Bushwick was changing and um and she was just amazing she just really loved Jesus and still loves Jesus and just stretched my faith a lot she just has such a compassionate heart and her husband and her son um they're just like an amazing family and um yeah it's just like it's just like wild so she um posted on facebook about this book called the body to the body whole keep the body keeps the score and um so i'm like I'm like wow like what she shared about it was amazing and like talking about trauma and how like the body holds trauma like within itself and so like you could get therapy cognitive therapy you know but there's physiological trauma that happens and so that has to be worked out so anyway i thought that was really interesting and i was like dang that sounds like a lot like um you know my friend natty was telling me about and um and uh and then the other day i was like watching my homie um well i mean he doesn't we're not like <laughs> whatever to someone i really look up to and he um had a an episode with um one of the founders of justice rising this awesome organization that i just really started learning about that does great work in war torn war torn lands um they yeah, had like in war zones and so she was talking about how she's reading the body keeps the score and after she shared about what it was what it's been like reading that book i was like dang i gotta get i gotta get this book so i ordered it it's coming tomorrow but um, when you order on Amazon, you know, sometimes they give you like a free sample on Kindle. And I was like, yes, because I love reading. And bro, this, this book is amazing. <laughs> I really recommend getting it. It's really amazing. Just really understanding how our bodies work, and how trauma works. So I'm uh, just thinking about all those things and like, there's two things I was thinking about, and that is in reference to 9-11, reference to jail and things of that nature. And just imagine, like, you're in a place that you can't leave. You know, you're doing your time for something you did or didn't do, but most of us are guilty. Um, everyone loves to say, no, I didn't do it. But, um... You know, and you're coming home. You're getting out soon, and you, and you have these aspirations to start a whole, start another life, or try again. You did all these programs. You did everything they said that you should do. The pre-release program. Pre-release is a program you go through six months before you get out. It teaches you how to fill out a job interview how to do a job interview fill out a resume or like write a resume and do that kind of stuff how to answer questions about the holes in your 
resume, um, these kinds of things. Um, and then you find out that the people that you were going to parole to, your family, your loved ones, you found like they all died in the trade center. One freak day. And it's like, what? Where are you, God? Where is God in that moment? And you have no other choice but to believe that God is with you in it. He hasn't left me. The Bible says, not even death can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8. No things height, no things present, no principalities, powers, no height or depth. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But in that moment, you're like, I'm so alone. But we cling. We cling to hope. And so, as I was thinking about 9-11 and thinking about these memories, according to the Body Keeps the Score, this person who wrote it, this doctor who wrote it, or came up with this research, was saying that for many of, of us that have been through trauma, trauma or experienced post-traumatic stress disorder and things of that nature, like our memories, like we stay stuck in our memories. And our memories, instead of kind of being like nostalgic, like we look back on, we're kind of stuck in them. And we can't move forward. And one of the two of the two examples that he used that really resonated with me was he said, um, a person who's like walking and normally you know, they wouldn't think anything of it or whatever, but, like, for someone who's been through trauma, like, they see someone else, they immediately, like, think um, about, like, if they're going to be hurt or something. Um, I don't know. That's kind of a bad example. I wrote it down. Um, um, yeah. So, and I think, I think I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow. Um... A fear of walking in public. So, I thought that was interesting because for me, like, you know, I'm, I, um, you know, I was abused as a kid and I went through abuse. <clears throat> and, um, what I thought was interesting is that, like, when, he, when this doctor talked about, like, a fear of walking, he was talking about women you know, and a fear they live in, but, um, because of, like, the things I experienced, many times when I'm walking, um, I actually have a fear of, like, being, like, taken or, like, something happening to me because of an abuse that happened years ago and because of people being abused around me in that environment, 
and not like I that never happened to me there, but like as a kid, and and just like kind of thinking like in these certain environments like I'm not safe, so I'm always kind of thinking about that and like thinking on the defense, and I try to stay chill, and it's kind of weird when you're like a man, and you're supposed to be like protecting, um. <laughs> And then, like, you're like, man, I need protecting. <laughs> so anyway, I'm in, I'm in counseling <laughs> for, like, eight weeks now. <laughs> and then the other thing I saw or, like, learned about was the sound of loud noises and, like, the moving of furniture. So for me, when I hear, like, loud noises or, like, a group of con people congregating and, like, getting loud or, like, furniture being moved, like, briskly, um... Or, like, loud noises and then, like, someone pushes a chair away or something like that. My immediate response is to, like, you know what I mean? Like, put my back to the wall and kind of look around my space. Because I'm feeling like any moment someone's going to get stabbed. <laughs> like, like any moment someone's going to get stabbed. And when you're, like, and it's, like, wild, but that's, like... I feel like that's maybe post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm not sure, but I'm going to be looking into it. Um, I got a, I got a um, meeting with a doctor soon. Um, but then, another thing that was really interesting is that when we talk about trauma and memories, um, one of the things that trauma does is it robs us of our imagination. And that made me think of... Because imagination gives way to hope and like the belief of something else or like looking at the clouds and seeing like a dog or something when you're stuck in your trauma you don't see a dog in the clouds or like a smiley face you you see something else or like an ink blot kind of thing um and i thought about how many times in church we say and i say since 2016 the best is yet to come and what I've come to realize is that the best is yet to come actually means the imagination. Because of the imagination, the healing work of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit to regenerate a human soul, we have imagination again. We can believe for things that aren't there yet. We can walk in victory for a battle we have yet to win, but walk into it like we've already won. Like, I can believe in business and writing and degrees and relationships because my imagination is being restored by the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross. And so I say to you, the best is yet to come and if you have felt like your imagination has been arrested like you haven't been able to think beyond your circumstance I speak healing in that place I speak hope in that place and I speak a future with you and the Lord and those you love in that place I speak imagination dream
dream, dream. In a few minutes, I'm going to say a prayer. I'm going to pray for you all who have listened or if you're sharing this, you know, about praying into your imagination. Praying into your prophetic imagination. A Christological imagination. A Christ-focused, Christ-centered imagination. Jesus is amazing. He's real and He's with you. He's a person. God is a person. And He's with you in that moment, in that place, in that space. So, I don't know how, but like all these different things came up to me as I thought about remembering 9-11. And I just thought to myself, we're in this place right now in society where we're fighting for the right for black folks to be alive, to have civil rights still, um, access to means to grow wealth, to have wealth, to increase in wealth. Um, we see a lot of different people coming into this discussion, um, and we need to have discernment on who is vying for our time? Who is vying for our attention? And I felt to myself, as I'm a prison abolitionist, I felt, I felt, Lord, I think you want me to kind of share a little bit about what 9-11 was like for me and those men that I was doing time with. Another thing that was really interesting was that because of 9-11, everyone who was scheduled to go home wasn't allowed to go home for at least six months while they maintained the security of New York State. Guys, it was, it was, like, it was really intense. Like, people were in jail past the time they were scheduled to be released. Like, I don't know how to describe what that feels like for someone who hasn't had that experience, but it, just think about it. Like, you legally are supposed to get out and be free and walk free and see more than just men in green can finally like talk to a woman can apply for a job you can buy your own soft drink walk where you want to walk for the most part free to be free and then because of some schmucks you're not going to be able to get out. It was crazy. We think about quarantine, we think about COVID, and and we're stuck in our homes. Yeah, it was kind of like that. Like, you can't go outside. Just go to the grocery store or something like that. 
So, I don't know, like, I guess I'm just feeling like right now, like as I come to a close, I, I'm feeling like, as we remember 9-11, you know, and it's the 13th now, so you've probably already remembered 9-11 and moving on. Um, but if, as you remember 9-11, let's think about our veterans. Let's think about our veterans. Let's think about those that served, those that gave their lives, firefighters, first responders. Let's think about inmates. That, like, no matter what, they, like, can't leave. They're, like, stuck in this place. And if you're a prison abolitionist, then you know that a lot of this is, um injustice like a lot of people that are locked up shouldn't be locked up so like that's just crazy you know what I mean um so let's just be mindful of that let's be mindful of people that might be hurting in this season it might be longer than just one day they might be hurting for a little bit they might have lost their husband they might have lost their wife they might have lost their best friend they might have lost their family Let's show more compassion and patience. And also, let's believe. Let's imagine again. Let's dream again. Even now. Because the best is yet to come. God does have a plan, and He loves you, and that's what I believe, so that's what I'm sharing, and finally, you know, this is called Who Dares Wins, what are you afraid of? Face that fear, face that challenge, face that place. Maybe buy a book. Maybe buy, you know, The Body Keeps the Score. Maybe reach out to someone. Talk about what's, some things that's been going on inside and you're not telling anyone. We need you. Maybe you're drinking too much. We need you. Get help. Like, we need you. Maybe... Maybe you just feel so far away from God. You're like, where is he? 9-11 changed so much. I remember I was living in a shelter when I first moved to New York City. And so many people that were living in the shelter system at that time weren't even addicts or anything like that. There were people who lost their homes because the trade centers went down. And they lost their practices. And they lost their jobs. How many know that before COVID, obviously, and definitely with COVID, like almost all New Yorkers are two paychecks away from homelessness? Let's, let's pray into compassion. Let's pray into hope. Let's be mindful. And let's be a part of the healing process. This is Who Dares Wins, and I'm JP. Thank you for listening. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for everyone who's listened today. And I pray 
that they would be encouraged, that you would ignite imagination in them, that they would know that the best is yet to come because they can believe again, they can dream again, they can hope again, they can love again. That we can remember but move forward. We can honor the memories by moving forward today. Father, I pray for everyone that has experienced great loss, far much more loss than me. I pray for everyone that listens or who has a family member who they know who might be locked up or who is struggling in their home now, but it's hard to get a job. And they just feel like not seen. They feel unseen. They feel like overlooked and an out an outcast. Father, I pray that they would be encouraged this week to know that we need them, that we want them, that we love them, and that to not give up. And that sometimes people suck, but you are good. You are always good. So I speak the goodness of God. I speak your character for everyone who's listening. Father, I pray for everyone, Lord God, who has experienced trauma. I pray for healing for them. I pray for resources to be able to do what they can do to reach out and to get the help they need so they can heal, so they can live a free and clear and vibrant life because that's your will for them. Father, I just thank you I just thank you, God, because I just thank you, God, because I believe you just you don't give up on us. You believe in us. So I pray that everyone would be encouraged by today's um, episode, and I look forward to sharing more with you tomorrow. Um, thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for listening. So who dares wins. I'm JP. You can follow me at JP is lavished on Instagram or at Who Dares Wins Podcast on Instagram, or you can email me at Who Dares Wins Podcast at gmail.com. Who Dares Wins Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. Give me a five star rating. Share it with your friends. Um, if you'd like to be on the show, email me, Who Dares Wins Podcast at gmail.com. Um, if you have comments or you want to talk more, maybe you're going through something, maybe you're struggling, maybe you're depressed, maybe 9-11 is hard for you, that's totally cool, that totally makes sense, um, I want you to know that, like, you can talk to me, you can talk to me, I can be that, I can be that safe place for you, and we can, and I can bring you to God who's a far greater safety than me. He's a sanctuary. He's a tower of refuge. The Bible says that people run to him and they are safe. So if you need to connect to a person and just kind of share what's going on, you know, reach out. Hit me up. I'd love to talk to you. And I'd love to bring you to... um to my friend, Jesus, who is my tower of refuge and strength. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Peace.